Welcome to the People Experience Pulse podcast, your gateway to the new frontier of human experiences at work. On the PX Pulse, we're all about elevating experiences, fostering belonging, and building remarkable workplace cultures in a fast evolving world. How do authentic workplace relationships contribute to not only the employee satisfaction, but also play a crucial role in the overall success of an organization? In part two of our discussion with experience, development, and culture professional Luella Dowling, Vicki Flyer-Hudson and Jeff Bond dive deeper into the dynamics of cultivating trust with your team, the power of acknowledgement and recognition, and the strategic importance of recognizing the human element in building a successful team. Join us as we unpack the insights shared by Luella on why making employees heard and valued goes beyond sentiment. It is critical to the company's success. Are you looking to make your workplace more human? Check out my friends at Coolleaf. What I love about Coolleaf is that it helps leaders create connection, engagement, and recognition. You can celebrate team wins, reward colleagues, and have fun with your coworkers. You can build a culture of appreciation and feedback that boosts morale, retention, and performance. Listen to this clip from their podcast, The Great Retention, to hear how Coolleaf transformed a company culture. We needed a way for people to connect, and there was people who would work together and talk to each other on the phone every day. Uh, who didn't even know them that well, and they had no way to appreciate them. What we liked about Coolleaf was that there is that social element to it. Coolleaf gave us an opportunity to allow our people to appreciate others that they worked with on a daily basis, but just never saw in person. Not only did it give managers a tool to recognize their people, but from a culture perspective, it allowed people to connect. And it was really cool as a chief marketing officer to see some of the interactions that were happening on the feed, because that's something that we wouldn't have had if we didn't have a tool like that. Coolleaf also simplifies measuring and improving the employee experience with pulse surveys, rewards, and integrations with your everyday tools. To learn more about Coolleaf and how it can make your work more human, visit coolleaf.com slash try Coolleaf. That's C-O-O-L-E-A-F dot com slash try Coolleaf to book your free demo today and see how top workplaces use Coolleaf to put their people first and thrive. When you talked about continuous exchange, Luella, that also really resonated with me because a lot of initiatives don't put the impacted people at the center of them. They're more decided by leadership, and then you go down a list of things to accomplish with the initiative, and then you check it off. But there's never the, even in the design So, for example, diversity and inclusion initiatives, they often don't take the most marginalized people and put them at the center of that design and they don't get their feedback and they don't. So it's sort of like coming top down and there's no loop, like you said, there's no exchange. So I love this sort of imagery that you projected of a circle and having things be cyclical, let's continue sort of like agile software development, mm-hmm. you know, keep iterating, keep getting user feedback. Yes. But we, yeah, we, you don't see a lot I of that. I think that's done for solutions. Like I think it's done for products. And I think there, I mean, I don't know, cause I don't work in UX. So I'm like talking now, just kind of pontificating based off of what I think. So just put that disclaimer out there. But I, I, I think the methodology is used in those spaces 
I don't know if there's a there's a level of patience that we may not be seeing in the DEI space, but we don't see enough patience, right? In in the DEI space, this is an organic thing for people to subscribe to something that is an exchange, not a transaction. It takes time. It takes time, just like it takes time to you know become an entrepreneur and build your business and gain the trust of your customer. Most companies who have spent hundreds of years gaining trust of their customer base are not understanding that they need to do the same thing for talent. And there will be down downward, you know, directions in, if you want to think of a graph of subscription, because it's just natural, right? It's just part of, it's just part and parcel of the effort. Um, and I think anytime there's like uh, an employee or an engagement, you know, downward direction, it's a freak out and it, it cannot, you know, there's, I mean, if you want to freak out, you can, I don't want to dismiss anybody freaking out, <laughs> but ultimately it's not definitive, right? Because we are people, it takes us a while and that's what we do. We gravitate, we pull away, we gravitate, we pull away. That's just, if you even look at the stock market, <laughs> I mean, if we want to get very transactional about our conversation, it's the exact same thing. And everything boils down to this feeling this feeling of whether or not I trust to move forward. I trust to invest my money. I trust the company has my back. I trust my leader. I trust the people I work with. I trust myself and that I made this decision to come work here. You know what I mean? Like I trust myself as a parent to guide this little mini me. Um, I trust my mini me to make the decisions that I talked about. So it's just, it all comes back to that feeling. And that feeling in my experience has always been, you know, termed as fluff. It's fluff. It's fluff, fluff, fluff. And I'm like, no, it's not fluff because this is what has built the business that you're an executive for. And you can't necessarily say that to executives, right? Because they're they're looking at it as a monolith because they've grown up with seeing this organization, you know, moving itself through the generations. And when it comes down to humanity and being inclusive and, and accommodating or understanding that somebody made a mistake. Um, or that, you know, we, we are going to tumble or, or we're going to stumble or we may, you know, fall down, but we're going to pick ourselves back up. We're going to acknowledge what we did. We're going to work to, to gain your trust again. Um, you know, it's, it's very similar. It's hard to have that type of conversation and present that in an executive space. You have to have stakeholders who have that mindset or who are at least open to developing that mindset. And that's also a variable that us as DEI practitioners, folks of us who who have this mindset of being inclusive and accommodating in the workspace, that's the variable we have no control over. So you can have all of the sexy PowerPoints, you can have all of the platform tools, all of the DEI resources. If you don't have stakeholders that are at least aligned with that mindset, um, have experienced it. And I even say that's even a, a not even a determining factor because even, there are many executives of color who are not gravitating towards, you know, accommodating and being inclusive and, and understanding. Um, it's, it's a challenge. It's a super big challenge um, because it does come down. It does come down to aligning mindsets and supporting that with action and, and then having the patience to see the behavior kind of, you know, rise um, or appear or emerge and then having the patience to reflect on that behavior and uh, who has the patience for that right we do <laughs> 
because we understand, you know, we're, we're, we, we know that there, it's contextual. We know there is multifaceted. Um, we're, we're willing to, you know, see the compromise that we may need to make or accept the fact that we've had these beautiful conversations with executive leaders and nothing has been done. You know, Vicky and I have lived there too. So it's, you know, how do we, how do we move forward in that is now where I'm at in, in my professional career. And I'm sure there are many other, you know, DE&I professionals that are, are like that too. Like, how do I continue to motivate and inspire myself to, you know, do the work? Yeah. 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 I hear you. And it's, it's a messy middle that, that we're in because you, you have to, to understand the motivating factors of the executives that are reporting to a board and shareholders and they don't have patience. You know, they want to see ROI. Right. They want to see numbers. They want to see it showing up in the immediate uh, P&L and, and financial forecasts of the company. But when you're you know, this, you know, you bring it back to this idea of stakeholders first. If you have a stakeholder first mentality and know that it is the harder and path that does require patience, but that you're willing to look at the long arc of time in terms of financial returns and realize that conscious businesses do outperform the S&P and, and financially have better returns when you have a people first and stakeholder oriented environment but it does take time. It does take case studies. It does take, you know, communicating in between and this commitment to your point of ongoing learning and development for leaders so that you don't overcorrect and don't freak out just based on a downward trend or you see a dip, you know, every financial, you know, uh, chart shows ups That's and right. downs, you know, over time. And, and there's the, you know, the times where it will bounce back, but your, your foundation is always going to be your people that do yeah. the work, that deliver the services and the products. And even history is cyclical, just the history of mankind. So it's, it's not an organization is made up of people. You know, so if you think about it over, over time, there have been certain things that have improved in terms of equality and justice, but it's a lot of up and down. Yeah. Yeah, and we're we're sort of in, in a bit of a down period right now, I think. But I think the arc we of it are. is still heading toward, you know. And so organizations, it's the same thing. We have to have the patience, like you said, for for those ups and downs to arc toward something better. But it's very challenging. I think it's super challenging because we live in a time of such technological advancement that things don't take as long as they used to, and I think it's very. I, I mean, you know, I'm going to self-confess, I have the same level of impatience with some things too in my life where, because I know I can pop something in a microwave for 30 seconds and it's hot when I pull it out. And I'm using that as like an analog version of technology. Now, if we think about other things that are much quicker, it's, it's, it's very easy to blueprint that expectation on many other things in your life. Um, and businesses are no different. So it's, it is, it is rough because I think we all forget that we are, you know, we're pre-analog, right? Humans are pre-analog <laughs> um, and, and feelings and, and trust and um, feeling like you belong, um, you know, are as old as dirt. They're as old as the world. And it's, it's, folks don't usually want to think that, right? They don't want to think, um, they don't, they don't want to accept that that's how it should be. 
Um, you just look at the dating world with dating apps. That's an example. That's a whole nother podcast. We won't go down that road, but essentially <laughs> it's kind of the same sort of perspective, right? You subscribe, you have this array of selection, you, you know, you reach out and why did they not, you know, respond back within, I don't know, 60 minutes. What are you doing? Why aren't you, <laughs> you know, not understanding that this person could have like five kids and, you know, two jobs. Um, you can't see that in the one dimensional photo, right? That is, that is up there. So it's just that expectation. I think that things should be immediate, which is, I, which I think is not a very helpful, um, if, if anything, it's, it's a, a massive hurdle to, to try and change the environment of work, um, to be more inclusive because we want it to be instant. Um, and leaders or, our, our, our exec board or our investors, they want it to be instant, you know, implemented it today by Friday, bam, everybody's happy. We're looking good. People are clamoring to get in the doors, you know, can't, can't hire enough. It's just, you know, we got to turn people away. Uh, businesses, you know, we're just overflowing. We're billionaires overnight. Just look at the history of business itself and how it sort of dismisses the human factor of, of success, you know, the human factor or contribution towards success. And we're up against, you know, a big, it's a big, I don't even think it's a hurdle. I'm just trying to think what's larger than that. A mountain. Um, mountain. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, and to all our uh, community of people, experienced leaders, we hope that this is reassuring the fact that you're not alone and the fact that this is hard and it's a bit of a slog, but it's work that we all need to be doing and focusing on strategies and initiatives that can can really help move us in the right direction. So I do want to pivot to that, uh, Luella, if you don't mind, if there have been any specific initiatives or strategies that you've been a part of that have been successful in establishing these kinds of behaviors and and an understanding of how to foster authentic relationships within organizations. Yeah. So, I mean, at previous and many companies, including, you know, including all of them, actually, there's been an effort to help leaders and employees. And I don't think this is new to me, but I, I have been a part of initiatives to help leaders and employees understand how um, building a relationship, whether it be to further your career, whether it be to, you know, expand your team as far as attracting talent, um, whether it be to just kind of get to know the folks who are a part of your organization, if you're like leading an organization, they all contribute towards the same thing. And I'm going to go back to this because it's critical. And I think people only think about trust when there's a problem, right? When there's been an incident or some type of issue. But trust to me should not just be brought onto the ship when you know the 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 what are the folks who are on the ship i'm trying to think of that term for back in the day i've it's lost it's lost in my mind but it, it shouldn't only be brought on when there's like you know a mutiny about to brew right <laughs> it should always be something that's a part of the toolkit and so usually when trust is talked about people bristle a little bit um and I always try to bring it into all of those avenues, all of those strategies um, that support, you know, inclusion or that support engagement is start thinking about how you can build trust. Think about whether or not you trust the people that you work with. What deems trustworthy to you? And that helps people to understand how it's connected to their values 
and then how they also need to make sure that they're aligned with their values or that they've identified what's of value to them when it comes to a relationship specifically. It's almost seems like um, calculus sometimes when I think about trying to help people understand that math about how, you know, it starts in here. It doesn't start out there. And so listening sessions that I think is just a term that can be applied over like focus groups or, um, you know, I don't know, town halls or all hands, however, however you term it, getting a group of people together and really listening is super critical. I think that's a massive uh, tool or resource towards building a strategy. Again, requires some patience, <laughs> which is, you know, this on short order. Theme of the, theme day, of the day, patience. patience. <laughs> um, and, and then understanding that also as humans in this day and age, a lot of what we are shared or a lot of what we're exposed to, we need to process. We have to process that. We have so many other things that are, we have to process, you know, that are unsolicited basically, but we have to process that. And so again, patience, understanding that your team may not come to that session, that all hands, that gathering with a ton of questions. Um, even if you told them, come with questions, like five weeks ago, probably <laughs> won't come with questions. It's not nope. until they hear, they digest, they, you know, consume and they process, they talk with each other to have an opportunity for them to come back together, maybe in smaller groups as well. Cause I think that impatience can look like one or two leaders talking to like the 50 to the 500 questions will be scarce in that, you know, in that, in that area. So. Especially if it doesn't feel safe. Right. You know? I mean, it's, it's so yeah. psychological safety to feel, you know, like you have, you know, the, the space to ask a question without being judged, without being assessed, uh, without being dismissed is critical as well. That's takes time to build, to build that. Yeah. Um, because you base your psychological safety on previous experiences, right? Like mm, I talk to that person, I feel good. Or I saw so-and-so ask that question and uh, now they think, you know, he is blah, blah, blah. Um, or so-and-so was talking about that or they left the team, you know? So it's kind of like all of that is context towards me in this moment, asking a question in this space that you provided. That is so true. I don't know if that was a strategy specifically, but. <laughs> no, it absolutely is. And you mentioned like gatherings, like all hands meetings. This is partly why we went into the business of improving all hands meetings, because most of the time they don't have a tone that is inviting people in to ask questions or to even feel like they have a sense of belonging. It's more like broadcasting information, but then they want people to be engaged. And it's like, there's a disparity there. You have to set the right tone if you want people to be engaged. Yeah. yeah. And you have to actually, you know, and, and all hands are such a missed opportunity there. It's, it's like you have everyone together. And yet most of the time, there's not a tone that does invite that safety, like you mentioned. Yeah. It ranges from like, like you said, talking head to, well, let me teach you something about the business to you know, did you know? And then like just allowing people to kind of wallow and get swallowed up in the silence of, I don't even have an answer to that question. I had no idea. Um, I have to say, I've, I've been through many all hands in many companies. And the thing that stands out for me with leaders in that space that can help start to crack like the veneer or the ice of, of that space 
is to just acknowledge and recognize. And I know that sounds really simple and maybe even a little cliche, like to say thank you, but there was a recent, um, there's an experience, I don't know if it's recent, it's just recent to me because it stands out, but there were a a multitude of leaders on a panel in foreign all hands. And two of the leaders had similar roles and they both had to talk about the business based off of their role. And one of the leaders, when it was, was their turn, uh, just punched into the presentation that was up for everybody to look at. And these are the numbers and blah, blah, blah. And this is what we made. And this is what we need. And, you know, this is how we performed. And when it came time for the other leader to share their, you know, their, their um, results, they said, before I kick off, I just want to thank. And they railed out all of the people that were a part of. And I actually saw people lean in. And I know that sounds super cliche, right? <laughs> lean in. If we think about the books that have been written and the articles about leaning in. But you could just, you can actually see people's ears kind of like, just, you know, tuck up. At least that's how I felt. I was like, huh. He said, thank you to this person and thank you to that person and couldn't have done it without you. And then spent like all of two minutes on the which I thought was like super critical. If you're going to have people around the world who are tuning in to see you as a leader representing their line of business, and they're going to talk about results or performance or whatever. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you want, even if, you know, wasn't, it wasn't named specifically, they didn't drill down, you know, so-and-so based in this city and this country, you know, specifically in this team. Nope. They just said, you know, I want to thank this group of folks who worked on this project. If you were a part of this initiative, this really contributed towards the top line of blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was just fantastic. Um, And so to me, I feel like to your point, you've got this, you've got this ear, you've got these eyes, you know, people are tuned in. It's being recorded. (laughs) This is your legacy, essentially, right? As a leader, Um, show up you know, show up and, and be okay with being authentic and, and not getting through, you know, all of the, the data on the slide. Cause most folks can read that in their time, you know, got to say that again, <laughs> show up and yeah, be, uh, be there, show up, you know, mm-hmm. be your authentic self, you know, say, thank you. Think about if you were in the audience, what you would want to hear as a person, not as a, a leader, not as an investor, because these are not investors. These are employees that you're you're having this conversation with. Um, and I think sometimes, more often than not, those very big sort of um, platforms are a template that's used when they're talking to investors or to you know people that want a high level. They use that to share with with people as well. And I think if you want high level, yes, but don't spend your whole time there, two minutes, and then really talk about the people. Um, that you're you're talking to talk about the people so they understand you know how you perceive them um, as a leader I think it's critical I think most folks would agree with you when we ask uh, people how their all hands meetings are or what they think of when they think of that term most respond soul-sucking or boring so I think that that's your perspective on that definitely reflects the average view of those types of gatherings So, Luella, as we wrap up our conversation, which has been so insightful, I've learned so much from you, but what final advice would you give to our audience, particularly senior leaders, on effectively communicating the connection between investing in employee experience 
and the overall success of the company. If I were a leader, I would want somebody to remind me to listen and um, become okay with things not being okay when it comes to engaging your employees, because they are people and we don't have control over the people. We never have. Um, we as a leader or as a company don't have control over the people. You can only um, communicate where you are and what you're doing to get better or what you're doing to address whatever. And think about the words, the language that you use. Seek out other folks in the organization that have strong relationships with employees that are influential in the employee thought um, and solicit them, you know, invite them to, to become a part of that communication. Um, oftentimes they can help diffuse those words that may seem like, you know, over the kind of glaze over what's actually happening. Um, sometimes those folks live in our communications teams. Sometimes they don't. So I, I thought those are the things that I would say, listen, become okay with not being okay and seek out those folks who have demonstrated influential relationships with your employees and, and solicit them for, for help to communicate better or for opportunities to communicate and engage your employees. Mm. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation uh, to all of our listeners. Thank you for being with us. We're going to be including a bunch of links for you to be able to follow Luella uh, on LinkedIn and other places. What a gift you are to the world of people experience and to the world at large, Luella. Thank you so much for your time with us today. Thank you both, Vicki and Jeff. I'm so honored to be a part of this conversation. And, you know, anytime you want me to come back, I'm totally there. <laughs> Thanks, Luella. You're amazing. Thank you for joining us for another insightful episode of the People Experience Pulse. We hope the words shared in this episode have inspired you as much as they've inspired us. Now the real challenge begins, putting what you've learned into practice. The change you create, no matter how small, could be the spark that ignites an exceptional people experience in your organization and beyond. If you found value in today's conversation, we'd greatly appreciate it if you took a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Your feedback helps us deliver high value content and reach more listeners like you. You can find other inspiring episodes and additional resources at our website, thepxpulse.com. Join our community at thepxpulse.com. Thank you again for joining us on the People Experience Pulse. Until next time, remember, the heartbeat of any organization is its people. Let's make every pulse count.